Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, my first guest served as the CEO of Duncan Brands from 2009 until 2018. He's now the non-executive chairman of Duncan Brands, one of the world's leading franchisors and quick service restaurants. And he's the principal of Challenge Consulting. Prior to Duncan, he enjoyed an illustrious career overseeing many big name brands such as Papa John's, Blockbuster, and Burger King. I mean, this guy is impressive. I actually had him on my Bloomberg television show back in 2013. That's when I first met him. He's also authored a book titled The Challenge Culture, Why the Most Successful Organizations Run on Pushback. Oh man, do we get that in the C-suite. And he even co-owns the Leighton Orient Football Club in the UK. Nigel Travis, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Jeff, uh, good to see you again. Um, Good to see you. I think the last time I saw you was on a set of Bloomberg when I was being a commentator. But of course, I have to tell everybody who who may not know, my very first uh, broadcast show was featuring Dunkin' Donuts. And it was a blast. It was a great, it probably still one of the best shows Bloomberg has ever produced. Yeah, you came in, you interviewed me, John Costello, Paul Tuig, and we gave you full access. It was fun. Oh, full access. I got to see some products and taste some products in the kitchen, which was really a lot of fun. And you went enjoy that. And you went to a franchise meeting. I remember that as well. I did. I did. And that was a was a great it was a great opportunity, a great thing. And you turned over an entire staff, you know, as I recall, after you got there in 2009, you turned over the entire almost the entire team changed. And I thought that was a very unique thing. And yet there here was Dunkin' Donuts growing like this, doing like this. And so I thought that was fairly unique. Well, it's interesting. Uh, when I was at Papa John's, I didn't change anyone. I went to uh, Dunkin', which of course is now called Dunkin' rather than Dunkin' Donuts. I'm right. doing very, very well under the new name. And uh, I felt that we needed people who were going to challenge me. That was the biggest reason for, for, for changing them. And going back to the concept that's in my book, uh, I think you know, culture is obviously very important. And I like what you said at the start about people. Uh, whatever the culture is, is 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 absolutely critical. But you need a culture, and the culture I've always embraced is the challenge culture. Getting my team, uh, getting people to be challenged continuously, getting feedback continuously, getting pushback continuously, and that's what creates the best ideas. And it worked very well for me at Duncan. So when you look around, and you, Duncan was founded back in 1950, I believe, and many things that were around then aren't around now, without question. So what do you attribute the longevity of that brand? I think we've managed to keep up to date very well. We've we've managed to stay tuned to the consumer. And one of the reasons I think we've done that really well, Jeff, is we're a totally franchise system. The franchisees yeah. know what works in New, New York. They know what works in Texas. I was just on the phone to a franchisee, even though I'm non-independent. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm, I'm non-executive, I should say. Yeah. I was on the phone to a franchisee only an hour ago who's in Texas. He's also got stores in Phoenix. I think it's these franchisees who feel the consumer. They know the trends that they're seeing, and they feed it back to corporate. And 
and we've evolved. Uh, we've evolved. We've now got tap systems in our restaurants. Uh, obviously, the drive-through was probably the greatest change in the in in restaurant history. And Dunkin' is the fastest drive-through chain out there. And it's interesting. In the pandemic, people have been going to drive-throughs more than they ever have before because right. they're that they see the car's protection. So, mm-hmm. so drive-through has been very popular, but I th- we've stayed up to date and we keep evolving. And Dave Hoffman, my successor, has managed to move the brand to another level again. Well, I, it's impressive. It's a very impressive brand. I know a lot of people, I know even after we did that show back in 2013, we had, I know I sold some franchises for you because people told me they called it and bought franchises as a result of it, which is awesome to see. What If I can ask you a question about what do you see right now in terms of themes for businesses handling this pandemic? Well, I think if you go back a couple of months, everyone was very focused on two things. Are there people safe? That was the first mm-hmm. thing. And I think right. that's a theme that has to go right through and will go right through into the future. And it was interesting. I was on a, a CEO board call with a number of different CEOs and board members two days ago. And, and that is something that has to be maintained. You've got to constantly communicate to your people, to groups. But I think this is a big lesson. People forget it. And individuals. One of the things mm-hmm. that I'm being concerned about through the pandemic is a lot of people living on their own. They're very isolated. They need support. They need senior managers to reach out. And one of the things we've seen as a result of working from home is that some of the levels in an organization have been squashed and senior managers can talk right directly to their employees, particularly in smaller organizations. The second thing is clearly uh, liquidity. And I think boards have really got on top of this. They've pressure tested what will happen if you have no revenue. And a lot of companies have had no revenue. So liquidity, raising money. And I think corporate America has done a very good job on that. I think the other, and I I was looking back on an article I wrote on the 26th of March. And one of the things I said is you have to imagine the future because the future is going to be different. And I think on the 26th of March, we probably didn't think it was going to go on as long as it seems to. But you have to think about what is the business model, whatever business it is, going forward. Well, and I'm saying right now, Nigel, that days are weeks, weeks are months, months are years. So whatever you would have done like two years, you got to get done in two months right now. This is like, you've got to move fairly quickly. Our boards, the, the boards you're sitting on, you sit on Duncan and you also sit on uh, a couple of other ones, but a, 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 a Abercrombie and Fitch as well. Are you looking at those kinds of things? Like how yeah. fast can we change this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just three quick examples. Abercrombie has done a fantastic job on the digital side of the business because the stores have been closed. Uh, Another example is that at Dunkin', we've really cranked up delivery. At Advanced Auto Parts, wow. They they launched in two weeks, same-day delivery. And and just to give you one more example, I recently became chairman of ServPro, and they launched ServPro Certified Clean. Because everyone out there is concerned yeah. about how clean the facilities are. And this is a defensive cleaning program that provides consumers and employees with peace of mind. What, what's more important than that? And what a great name. 
It is a good name. You know, one of the things, uh, Nigel, I was always impressed with you and John and the team. Of course, John is just a superstar. I've known John for a long time, and that's how I first got to you was through John. Called, picked up the phone, said, hey, would you do my show? He goes, well, what is it? <laughs> but he trusted me, and I said, you got to trust me. I'll make sure that the show's good. It'll show you in a great light, but we'll tell the story. But, you know, it's going to be TV. And he was And he was great to trust me. And you guys didn't even see the episode. I remember showing him a, uh, a sneak episode. He, he sat in Bloomberg with me the night before it aired. And I let him see the actual uh, the actual story just so you guys could feel good about it and be prepared. And then after that, everybody wanted to be on our show, you know, after they saw that Duncan uh, piece. But one of the things I was impressed with, and I don't know if you're still an early riser, but you and the team got up like at three or four in the morning and were in the office early because that's the way your franchisees operate. And you were doing the same thing. And that just, that was impressive as hell, Nigel. Well, I still get up early and uh, obviously we're all working from home because I live in the Northeast and we're still pretty well shut down. And most people are working from home. And I think, as I said earlier, working from home is going to be continuing, I think, for a long time and may well become standard for many people. But you need to be on top of the business. And, And we're a morning business. We're a business where people want to get their morning cup of joe. Uh, they want to get their sandwiches, their donuts, whatever it is. And, and I've always had the feeling you have to be close to the business. When I was at Papa John's, it was the evening. I mean, we had this evening rush between like 5 o'clock and 8 o'clock. So you need to be, again, aligned with what the consumer is thinking, aligned with the franchisees, because in many ways, they're your customer as well. Let's take a quick break. Speaking of breaks, and uh, I want to take a break, and Duncan has been a big sponsor of our show over the years, not a sponsor now as we move forward in the B2B space, more B2B space. But let's take a quick break and come right back. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back live on LinkedIn and Facebook as we're doing a live cast of All Business with Jeffrey Hazel right here on C-Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network. And I'm talking to Nigel Travis, the former uh, CEO and now non-executive chairman of Duncan. He's on numerous boards and he's the principal of Challenge Consulting and very active as we hear from this interview with a lot of different businesses. Now, you've always been big in the franchise space. Listen, we, we're going to see a lot of changes, Nigel. What, what do you think is going to be some of the biggest changes for franchises in even the configuration of the box, the way it operates? What do you, what do you see right now? Well, the first thing I would say is that franchises aren't just restaurants, but just staying focused on restaurants. Yeah. You know, I think there's been some pretty dire predictions for independent restaurants out there, very sadly. Uh, that may be an opportunity for some of our franchise businesses. But I think what Dave Hoffman and Scott Murphy, who runs the Dunkin' U.S. business, have managed to do, they've managed to communicate nonstop with the franchisees. They, they've helped the franchisees uh, go through the various stages. They made them look at their liquidity. They helped them think about applying for government support in the CARES Act, and I think that was very important. They, they've listened to what the franchisees need. We put in a much more limited menu because, obviously, you can't do the same things you can normally with a reduced crew, with all the dining rooms shut, et cetera. So, I think they've managed to bridge a gap. 
And one of the things I talked about when I wrote my book, The Challenge Culture, was too many franchisors make a mistake because they assume the franchisees' interests are exactly the same as theirs. They're not. Mm. They're, the franchisees have a different P&L. They have different concerns from corporate. I mean, Duncan's a public company, and franchisees are all basically private companies with different concerns. You should recognize there's a difference and try and bridge the gap. So I think Scott and Dave have shown great flexibility, but the key, and, and I'm a communication freak. I think we talked about that a few years ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. You've got to communicate. And they talk to the franchisees every week. They talk to the franchise representatives every week. You've got to work lock stock. You may have differences, but by communicating and listening together, you can resolve those differences. Do you think uh, restaurants are, are going to be forever changed? I think we've lost um, an entire, I don't know, generation of restaurants. I don't, I, to me, that independent restaurant especially, more so than the franchises. Franchises have more systems in place, more resources. Yep. They can lean upon each other. Uh, lots of different things that are benefits, all right? But an independent restaurant, I think they're over the way we, we've known them. Well, I think, I think uh, sadly, the smaller ones, yes. Because it, if you've got, say, 14, rest, 14 tables in your restaurant, and you obviously yeah. want to turn it over several times a night, it's very difficult to do social distancing because how many restaurants, how many tables do you end up with? Probably four or five. Right. I think where the smart restaurants have, have done well is they've embraced delivery, they've embraced yes. takeout, they've embraced curbside. I mean, here's an interesting story that re- takes that story and relates it to Dunkin'. Four years ago, we introduced curbside at Dunkin'. Not many franchisees picked it up. We've now got over a thousand stores, all non-drive-through stores saying, this is a way of us giving the customers that safety they want. I'm using curbside to take it to their car. So I think you have to innovate. So I think there is a way forward for individual independent restaurants, but they have to be creative and most of all, flexible. They can't be, they can't just think of the past. They have to think of a different way of serving their guests in the future. Yeah, how do you take that experience that you would have seen the restaurant and deliver it to the home in some way or a different yep. way? I was even talking to one restaurateur the other day and a very good friend of mine has one of the most successful restaurants. And I said, you know, what? have you ever thought about going to an industrial area and just having a great kitchen and not have the seating, not have the seating and then just deliver the experience? It's tougher without question. What about the retail space? What do you see for changes on that retail space, Nigel? Well, again, I think some of the same trends, you know, curbside, touch and go. I mean, it was interesting. Uh, a week or so ago, my daughter, my 13-year-old's uh, computer failed. So we ordered from Best Buy. My wife went and picked it up. She was there and back in an hour. So I think the whole concept that's happened in restaurants is going to happen in retail. But I think another concept that's going to go from QSR to retail is is going to be a demand for smaller uh retail stores. So the amount of space needed is going to be reduced because there is no doubt, and I think it's going to continue, people have really embraced e-commerce. They go online, they choose what they want, and they want it delivered pretty quickly. And, And for some people, another way of delivering that is to order online, go to the store, and they won't hang around. They just want to go in and pick it up. I think that's going to be a very significant change. And I think you see it 
Abercrombie are doing it. You obviously see it at places like Target, uh, Advance Auto as as well. You know, I yeah. think uh, m- many of the brands I'm involved in are really thinking digitally. They're thinking very creatively, but it's to serve the customer who wants to get in and out. Yeah, well, and we're going to talk about some of those things. Let me take another break, and I'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are live. This is Jeffrey Hazlett, and this is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, recording our podcast right here on a live cast on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thanks so much for joining us out there as you're watching this uh, from your desktop or you're watching this from your phone. And then all of you, of course, listening on the podcast. We appreciate it so much. It's great. I'm talking uh, to the CEO and founder principal of Challenge Consulting, of course, Nigel Travis. He is the former uh, CEO and executive chairman of uh, Duncan the Duncan brand used to be Duncan Donuts, also serves on numerous boards, include Abercrombie and Fitch, uh, Block, he worked at Blockbusters, was the CEO of Papa John's, Burger King. I mean, he's just done so much over the years, and it's just been exciting to be able to talk to him. We were talking about before the break about the change in what retail space might look like. If I think about Abercrombie and Fitch, if I think about, you know, big retailers, they're typically in malls. They're typically in big areas. They're anchors. Okay. What do you think it's going to do to change the mall structures and the real estate? Well, I think that's that's a question I've got no magic answers. I mean, the malls were doing a very good job before the pandemic. They were bringing in entertainment uh, to, to, to make the malls more attractive. It's interesting, the Natick Mall just up the road from me has a uh, Wegmans in there, and apparently that's one of the most successful Wegmans in the country. So I think oh. the mall operators were doing a good job. I think I think it's going to be interesting. I, th- I think they need to continue that trend of attracting people to the mall. Obviously, we're going through a period right now when people are very concerned with going anywhere. I mean, yeah. hey, I'm in the sports business, so I, I know that stadiums are a, a mega concern. Concerts are obviously a concern, but the malls as well. So I think the mall operators have to do exactly the same as restaurants, the same as the retail stores, focus on making it a very safe, clean environment. Well, you mentioned, and so I got to get into it. What what prompted you to buy a sports franchise? Well, a it's not a franchise in England, but uh, well, I, I got it. But we 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 call them kind of a franchise yeah. as an operation, not a franchise franchise, but the the business. What what caused you to buy a club? Well, it's in East London. I've supported it for sixty years. Uh, the club wasn't doing very well. Didn't like the ownership, so I decided to fix it. Uh, so we put a consortium together. We bought it back in 2017, and we've done very well. I mean, the, the club have been relegated, which means you go down from one division to another twice in three years. We got back uh, back into the Football League. We're in League Two, so it goes Premier League, Championship, League One, League Two. We're in League Two. Uh, we were back for one year. The season's effectively been halted, but we're in a very steady position. So we're looking forward and, and, you know, dealing with a sports business in a pandemic is, is, is interesting. We've tried to actively involve our fans. Yeah. We've, we've had uh, a FIFA game that was glo- uh, very successfully globally. We think the future is streaming. So give a quick plug. We're looking for Americans to support Leighton Orient. That's L-E-Y-T-O-N, Orient. And... <laughs> And we signed a landmark deal two weeks ago, Harry Kane, 
who is one of the top footballers in the UK. He played for us on loan years ago. He's come back and he's sponsored the club's three shirts and and 20% of the profits go to good causes, the National Health Service, Mind and Mental Health Charity, and Haven, um, uh, which is a, uh, a, a home. Um, I can't think of the word right now, but anyway. Um, so anyway, it's been very successful, and we've sold 130% of the shirts that we would have sold last year have sold for the new season starting sometime in the fall. That's fantastic. And, you know, I did a show on Seattle Sounders, one of the most successful, you know, uh, uh, football or we call obviously soccer franchises, and they have raving fans. I mean, I even remember being in the stadium when it, they have more fans than, than this, uh, the, uh, the Seattle Seahawks show up, more fans than American football go to their games. And I remember standing in front of the railing to do a stand-up, and the fans are yelling at me to get out of the way because the game was going on, the match was going on. So they're just they're rabid fans. If you could ever have rabid fans like that, you're you're going to have a winner on your hand. Well, that's that that's the way they are in England, and I think yeah. Seattle and Portland have managed to represent that in the U.S. But I encourage people to to tune in whenever they can. We're going to be streaming games on lakenorient.com going forward. And we are looking for some American fans. And when all this is over, and by the way, it will be over, yeah. we'd love people to go from America over to East London. I'll, I'm in. I'll go. If you, <laughs> you, if you if you let me sit in the box with you or just sit somewhere yeah. and just have, to have a good time, I'll, I'm over. I'll, we'll go over and have a great time. I enjoy it. Well, what a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for joining us, Nigel. Talking to Nigel Travis, the CEO and founder of uh, Challenge Consulting, and then also the non-executive chairman of Duncan, and then serves on so many boards. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate it. And thank you for joining us right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Yeah, thank you. At the end of every show, I'd like to talk about what I learn. Now, we've got a great guest coming up right after uh, this simple message of the things that I learned. And we're going to be talking about laser surgery and a whole bunch of others and how that's impacting us. But let me, before I get to that, talk about what I learned. I, I learned or I was reminded about the pace of business, matching your audience. Now, Nigel and his team would get up early at three o'clock in the morning. Why? Because that's when their franchisees went into work and started making donuts and getting everything ready for the day. And so what they did was they matched the cadence of the business. And I thought that was cool. And I learned a lot uh, from my interview from him today and from my past interviews interaction. What a class act. That's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Eye disease and vision loss creates a great financial burden to the tune of $139 billion. My next guest today is a board licensed ophthalmologist, and you may have seen her in ads for Restasis. She specializes in cataract and vision correction procedures and incorporates aesthetics as part of the overall experience for her clients and has deep Midwestern roots. And we talk a lot about that experience in this interview. So you got to really listen in about what it's like to provide an overall experience, both internally, externally, in the soul, and what you can see. So it's really cool. Dr. Allison Tindler is the owner of Art Vision and Artisan Skin and Laser Care. Dr. Tindler, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hi, Jeff. Nice to be here. Good to have good you to here. See, on this good to see you again. 
Good to see you. Good to have you on this live cast right here on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook. And for those who are listening in, you can't see, but she's got a beautiful piece of artwork behind her. And it's this beautiful, really cool cow. I know it's hard to say that, a, you know, a cow is a piece of art, but this cow is really cool. It really is. Yes. I might come steal that painting from you. I might very well steal. I like. Well, that if it's painting. gone, I'll know where it went. Exactly. He looks. He he or she can't. I know it's a he. Probably he. We can't tell for sure. But is looking at me. I think we're making a connection. That's what I think. All right. Hey, we we've all had to face the music and change the way that we do business. And um, I actually saw you yesterday, and this came out yep. in part of the conversation. But how have you how have you changed and pivoted? Because I mean. You're an ascent, you because you're medical, you could be, you know, you're obviously essential, Correct. right? Correct. But you, you, you closed for a while. So talk to me about that. So we did through the last, um, you know, week of March to the first, uh, about first week of May, we, we were technically, technically open because we could be, but definitely curtailed activities on, on all fronts for multiple reasons to keep patients safe, um, to keep staff, staff safe. And there's just so much uncertainty. And even as a business owner, you didn't know which which way was up or down, um, and trying to use that time to figure figure that out. Yeah. And how have you how have you worked with your team? And talk, have you did you? Um, I mean, that's a personal question, but I'm going to ask you anyway because yeah. yeah. I think I know the answer. But did yeah. you furlough people? Did you have a discussion about it? Did you, you know, what what did how did you talk to them? What was the kind of conversations like? Even with a small team that I have, um, I think the smaller the team, the more intimate your conversations are and the more you feel for their situations and have empathy. Um, However, you also as a business need to keep that going and look three months down the road, not just four weeks or two weeks down the road. And so as I'm trying to think, okay, how do I get to July even? um, We did decide through April to uh, reduce hours as well as I did partially furlough, um, a fit, you know, most of my staff knowing that and giving them the, uh, the sunshine at the end of the road, if there could be that, uh, we were having the PPP loan come through for us. Um, yeah. so we'd have kind of a two month window, uh, May and June where we were able to kind of be, be full force and they would be whole financially too. Oh, that's all. Which is an awesome way of doing it. How, how did you, I would imagine because of the eye surgery and things you do, you had a pretty big schedule ahead of you and you had to go tell everybody, can't do it. Yeah. Right? And, and it's amazing. Even some patients were like, really, they wanted it done. They want it done anyway. They're, they're struggling with their vision. And so um, to say that your vision's not essential at this time, kind of a kind of a hard call. No, it's not an emergency, but um, how we get to see the world and how we use our vision every day to interact, it's like, you know, some people were struggling through that. Um, emergency cases did occur, uh, those where people could actually have vision loss um, from a disease state. But um, otherwise, yeah, just kind of had to had to hold off. And uh, they wanted to know, too, when they could come back um, and just yeah, rescheduling and rescheduling. And then finally right. trying to make a decision. Nope, we're actually going to reopen on this this date. And it was nice to have our governor behind us as well on that. So do you have an open date now? Yeah, we opened uh, May 4th is when we officially opened and started doing surgeries. Uh, so I feel very blessed. It was one of the best days, surgical days ever was I was so happy to get back there and, and yeah. be in the OR and help patients. Oh, that's awesome. So tell me the why behind what you do. 
You know, I mean, could I, I mean, maybe people also go, Hey, I can't wait to operate on eyes, um, you know, from a, from a young age. Okay. But I don't think that's usually the case, but maybe. All right. So what's the why behind what you do? The, um, I think as you continue to go through life, you figure out your why even a little bit, little bit more. Um, uh, my, as I help patients, I truly want to help them have a, I want them to see the world better. And at the end of the day, I want them to see themselves better. And I've been able to find that why over, over my career. And it becomes a defining kind of characteristic of, of basically it's our mission statement. Not only do we get to treat people with, um, I want to treat people with class and uh, mm-hmm. uh, give them an experience that maybe they, not that you're having surgery every day or anything like that, but when they come in, I want them to feel special. Um, so there's more to just surgery and medicine than the actual technique. Um, it's, it's how they feel at the end of the day, the love that they have of the, the world around them when we get done. Um, I want them to, I had a lady the other day who I'm like, what, what was it that, that changed for you? You know, by doing this, the surgery for you, what, what happened mm. to you because of it? She's like, I feel young. She's like, I feel young again. And to be able to bring <laughs> that yeah. to somebody, um, right. it's, a, it's a phenomenal feeling for me and then for my staff to experience that too, to have patients who are like, are having life-changing events because we've got to have a few moments um, you know, with them to, to help them surgically. Well, I want to take a quick break, but I want to come back to that feeling because I think that's pretty unique. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back and we're live on LinkedIn and Facebook because we're doing a live cast of our taping of our podcast, All Business with Jeffrey Hazel, right here on C-Suite Radio. And I'm talking with Dr. Allison Tendler, owner of Art Vision and Artisan Skin and Laser Center. I think it's interesting. We were talking right before the break and I love that see the world and yourself better. It's interesting that someone, I assume that was an eye surgery they had? That was an eye surgery, actually. Yeah, yeah and, and so, but having an eye surgery of things you see outwardly, but because you she would see the world outwardly better, she was yes. seeing inwardly better. Yes, and that wow. is that is where our, you know, my true, my true passion lies, both on the eye side as well as the aesthetic side. So it doesn't matter if I'm doing cataract surgery, I'm doing refractive surgery, or eyelid surgery, or I'm doing aesthetics and fillers and lasers. The feeling afterwards, is what I want every patient to have kind of that wow of, okay, this happened to me. I had this done, but how it changes them internally is um, it's hard to describe and it happens and it drives us. Yeah. I just, I think that's kind of neat that you, you would have that. So how did you come up with that business model? See the world, see yourself better. How did that come to you? Truly um, we've got two, you know, kind of two, what you'd think were seemingly different uh, industries. I've got aesthetics, skin and laser, and I've got vision correction surgeries. And so trying to blend those two worlds into truly seeing the world differently and seeing yourself, you know, seeing the world better vision side, seeing yourself better, kind of the aesthetic side, but there's yeah. a, there's a play on words there. And uh, um, from an artistic standpoint, um, you also wouldn't think that doing eye surgery would be artistic or what we get to do on the aesthetic side, necessarily artistic. There's a lot of technique, skill, science, those types of things. But um, the creativity and the beauty behind working on somebody's eye, um, it is a work of art. And so we were blessed to be able to help people on both sides 
try to either we create something that's been locked, you know, or they never had. So we're working on them as a piece of art um, or a canvas. We're creating something they've never had. We are preserving something that's really, really good or we have to uh, restore something that they've lost. And so if I look at that as an artistic um, concept, there's, therein lies another theme for us. Wow. So one of the things that I think is very unique, and I haven't been there yet, but my team talks to me about this, you custom design your office. Why? Yes. Yeah. Yes. What was your goal when you were doing this? My goal, um, a couple things. Um, uh, number one is you're, you know, as you're just kind of walking through space, you want to make sure that everything has a nice flow to it. Um, one were one area to the next. I wanted to make sure my team would, had a central hub to be working together. They had easy access to both uh, arms of our business. And uh, when I had patients walk in, I wanted them to feel, you know, that first time you walk into like a Four Seasons or Ritz Carlton or something, you know, you, you yeah. feel you feel Those really nice. special. You feel yeah. really special, but yet you also feel like you're at home. They make you feel at home. And so I wanted people to walk in and feel this was someplace different. Um, they felt special, but I also wanted them to feel immediately at home and relaxed and comfortable. And so I had that concept in my in my head as well as I designed it. And then I wanted it to be um, I wanted it to be classy. I wanted it to you know stand the test of time, and uh, I wanted it to represent who I was. Yeah, and so I people can see really that neat... as they as they walk in. It's like, oh, who you know, this is who we are. Yeah, which makes it feel, and it's an experience, right? Because, right. I mean, they are having an experience. I mean, it's life-changing experience for some people, and, for, and both from aesthetic did, side yeah. or, or the eyesight. Yeah. I didn't want people to necessarily feel like they were walking into a physician's office. I didn't want it to be cold and sterile. I wanted it to be, you know, warm, vibrant, young, contemporary. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break, and I'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. Hey, and we are back again. This is Jeffrey Hazlett live uh, talking right on LinkedIn and Facebook as we are bringing you All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett with some great guests. Today, I have Dr. Allison Tendler, and she's the owner and leader of Art Vision and Artisan Skin and Laser Care. And she's located in, hey, my town, Sioux Falls, South great Dakota. Town. Yeah, it's exactly right. And we can do it. Hey, you did that. You did that big commercial for how do you say it? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So how did that come about? Oh, it's a it's a fun story and and partially about being willing to put yourself out there and take a take a chance on on something. Um, Oh, back in the uh, 2000s, probably 2006 or so, 2007, um, they were going to launch this new commercial campaign for uh, the product Restasis, which at the time was the only thing like it on the market. Um, in a huge world of, of dry eye, ocular surface disease. Um, and they were looking for a spokesperson. And it was a new concept at that time to have a uh, physician as a patient. So somebody who actually has the disease, who's actually a physician at the same time, um, because the dry world tends to be more noted for you know female uh, uh, gender. They also wanted a female physician. So as they were scouting out people, they sent you know messages to their reps and say, hey, try to find me this, 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 and this. As they're um, scouting for that, and uh, my rep uh, was like, hey, Tendler, you wanna you wanna go for this? And I'm like. 
actually, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what the heck? I, yeah. I, I'll try out. And right. so they, um, they sent a film crew to Sioux Falls, South Dakota and mm-hmm. came to my office and, you know, 30 minutes or so of taping uh, the, you know, proposed script. And basically, you know, so I tried out, they vetted it, you know, how many months later against, you know, a whole bunch of different um, patient or, you know, I would just say patients, consumers, um, yeah. asking them several questions. I remember one of them being like, Hey, if you met this person, you know, would you would you think that she'd be fun to sit with and have a conversation with? I mean, just weird questions. I mean, you yeah. probably know more about that of what they're asking. When well, they're some of the things. feedback you don't want to hear, but, you know, because no, they're so mean, they're so cruel. I have people who've written to me and say you have a face for radio. Of that, I've really said that. And another one right after I appeared, right after I did television on my first show. And they wrote and said, my wife is a personal trainer. I'd like to introduce you to her. I thought, you son of a, oh, no. you know, you know, yeah, exactly. That's how that started anyway. Yeah. Did, did you have lines in that thing? Did you have lines? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of talking, a lot of, um, a lot of um, on-screen, uh, long, a lot of on-screen. And so I was able to do over, I think, the course of eight years, um, I was the spokesperson for the Restasis campaign uh, on the consumer side. So all I, North nope. America. Uh, so just, yeah, uh, I had a great time. It was super fun. Yeah. It is kind of hard, though, doing those commercials. I mean, I do the Dodge. I do, do I still, I haven't done one for a while, but the new Dodge Ram uh, 1500. You want it, you need it, drive it, you know. You so do it's have like, a great boom, voice. Yeah, That's there, yeah you well, you, you get used to it. But then I do some of their online, I've done their online commercials. It's been quite a while, but nonetheless. Hey, one last question I want to ask yeah. you, and this deals with the COVID stuff, because let's, let's yeah. give everybody a little bit of education here. Recently in the news, uh, there was someone that said they got COVID through the eyes. Can that really happen? It actually can um, through your, through, you know, one of the things they're saying, you know, don't touch your face, don't touch your face, yeah. don't touch your face, which we shouldn't be doing anyway. Um, and then but don't you touch do. Your eyes. Who doesn't do that? I sit here, <laughs> I, 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 why I am I on there? My makeup gets in, in my eye. And then I'm like, yeah. oh, maybe I shouldn't go touch my daughter now. Um, yeah. But we, we rub our eyes all the time as well. Yeah. And through our, through our tear film, um, which sits on the surface of our eye, as well as uh, our conjunctiva, which is kind of a loosey goosey layer on top of the eye you can actually transmit, uh, transmit COVID. So there've been a few um, cases. One of the first um, people to die over in China actually was an ophthalmologist. So. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. All right. Yeah, so we got to watch out. So everybody should just start squinting right now. Just squinting. <laughs> Where Keep I your protection. hands away from your eyes. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm still surprised, still surprised. And I said this today on the post, people are still talking about washing their hands. Like it's something new. Like, I know. hello. I know. I, I have always, you know, if I've ever gone to a store, I've always been the one to grab the wipe anyway. I don't open yeah. the door handles. I mean, it's like, I've always done that stuff anyway. <laughs> I'm immune. I'm immune because if you lived in New York and taken the subway, there's a lot of, <laughs> lot of stuff you get exposed to. Let me tell you right there. Hey, Allison, what a pleasure to have you. I, we're going to have to have you back. I appreciate you. It's so awesome to see your success with what you've got. We're talking to Dr. Allison Tendler, the owner of Art Vision and Artisan Skin and Laser Care. Check her out. Hey, you know, Sioux Falls is a really big place for a lot of this kind of work. So uh, feel free. Come to Sioux Falls. We, you know, we're, we're, it's a safe place. But thanks for being uh, with me right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Thanks, Jeff. At the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. And I loved her motto. All right. See the world. 
see yourself better. I thought that was pretty cool because think about how she did that. She tied two different distinct businesses together in a very similar way, utilizing the core thing she does, which is sight and how you feel about that site and the way in which you present yourself to the world. I thought that was really cool. Very ingenious, very smart. That's the kind of money you'd pay a lot of money for a, a big branding firm to come up with you and help you, you know, kind of like migrate that kind of journey. But she was able to do it with her and her team. And I thought that was pretty cool. That's what I learned right here in all business with Jeffrey Hislett. Hey, and I want to see you more. How's that? Huh? I want to see you uh, watch us on the live cast and don't forget to tell your friends all about us right here in All Business with Jeffrey Hazlitt on C-Suite Radio. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlitt, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.